back here on Sports 1140 KHDK. Jason Ross, Katie Christensen here in studio at Sports 1140. We go till 6. Remember, at 7, UC Davis basketball. Scott Marsh will have the call of the Causeway Classic of basketball. UC Davis in Sacramento State. That'll be at 7 with the pregame, 7.30. Tip-off out at Golden 1 Center tonight. Kings will be at Golden 1 Center tomorrow when they will take on uh, Portland, who seems to have figured it out a little bit here lately. A little bit, yeah. yeah. The Kings beat them in it's, the it's, opener. It's interesting because they've, and I was watching their game um, just a couple days ago. Uh, they beat Utah, I believe. Was it before our Utah game? We yeah, played. There's so I many know, teams that go, yeah. Yeah, that go to Portland to play them before they come here. So I've actually seen Portland yeah. play several times. They're At that point, they're only – home loss of the season was the first one against us wow. but they were like two and six or something on the road and i right. have to look it up you know in my as i start my prep for them tomorrow but um they're not playing well on the road but they're certainly playing well at home but yeah weird how dame lillard wasn't gonna have a season like he did the first 10 10 or so yeah. games weird how those numbers were gonna kind of come back around yeah which is what we've been hoping for Fox. And yeah. then sometimes they have, not consistently enough, but um, this team right now is in a bad way. I think there's there's no other way to say it. We heard a little bit in the last segment, Katie, from Alvin Gentry. Let's hear from Tristan Thompson because he is he's kind of that guy that you would love to be your best player saying this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I, I agree with what you said earlier. I, everything he said last week in that real passionate one was, I thought, 100%. The only thing I disagreed with that he said was – when he said, look, if you need someone to motivate you, like he's, I don't think he needs that, mm. but I think people are different. And you've had teammates who are like, we have to keep telling this person four times, five times, six times, seven times. You didn't need it or whoever. I don't think Tristan Thompson needs the I've kick in the butt. never had it at a professional level. Right. But then there's some people, I mean, I don't, I don't I've used the kid analogy. I mean, I, I, I get what Tristan is saying yeah. because you shouldn't. If you need it at the NBA level, That's you shouldn't be in the league. Right. Your so I, I, got you I, there. I find it really hard to believe. So I kind of tend more to agree, to agree with that. It's mm-hmm. like they shouldn't need exactly. anyone to motivate them. Right. Because if you're not motivated by getting it handed to you mm. game in and game out, yeah. if you don't have enough pride in yourself and your team and the city you play for, then what are you doing? Yeah. So to me, it's it's less about kind of motivation and it's more about preparation and that's yeah. on you and it's on your coaching staff it's on your team it's a, it's a collective thing the finger pointing to me is just n- nauseating yeah it, that that doesn't help it's not healthy but there is a look about some of the players to me on the roster where is it does it bother you is this bothering you that you've no. that you have a coach that just got fired that you've lost eight of nine mm-hmm. that people no. are saying kangs and that, same old team part of the problem yeah that's part of the problem because you're right body language for some people has not been great yeah for sure well here's uh, tristan thompson talking after last night's game um about his team and the roster we got to just have more toughness and grit like you know playing a little too nice gotta get a little nasty gotta hit him off the floor gotta make someone feel you you know what i'm saying like for rich to get hit like that in his eye playing hard someone's got to go Set a set a legal screen or a back pick on someone to feel that. You know what I'm saying? Like Rich, he he punches the clock in. That kid works. He's got better every year for this for this team and this franchise. And he gets hit in the eye, has a busted eye, but no one you know no one gives a hard foul or makes someone feel him. You know what I'm saying? Like that's the little things. Like can't be nice in this league. Can't be nice. The nice teams always always finish last or or get excited about the lottery balls. So you know 
all these all these guys here that are on this roster, they, they don't want to lose. They don't want to lose. They want to win. But we all got to look in the mirror and get 1% better. Everyone, everyone. Everyone that steps in this building to, to work has to look and see how can they get better. Because right now it's, it's, it's not a good feeling. We're not where we want to be. So it takes everyone. Everyone's got to be better and everyone's got to be real themselves. Be real themselves and, 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 and we got to be with, real with each other. Might not like it, but you're going to respect me at the end of the day. Interesting there, kind of a little bit of the semantics we were talking about earlier. I, again, I don't think anybody wants to lose. That's nobody's desire. No. But does it bother you? Is it killing you? Like, are you going home and thinking about but, that where other players, I think there's an obsession with it bothers them, Katie, so much more to lose than they even enjoy winning. And that drive pushes them. So here's the kind of conundrum here and this is the conversation that really at this point is just applicable to the Sacramento Kings nobody else in the league what has been happening here for 15 years is a losing culture year after year after year and we've talked about it so much over you know this this playoff free span if you will um, of kind of losing identities right and I, f- I fear what happens with young players, and that's what type of players come to teams like the Kings that are in the lottery, those types of things. And what has been like this over the last several years is the Kings are trying to rebuild and right the ship, is that sometimes when you get the young players and they start losing, it almost – they're numb to it and it doesn't affect them anymore. That's a problem. And, and that's what creates a losing culture. So that's what the challenge is from the top, from the top to the bottom. And I mean from the top, from, from ownership, yeah. um, front office, coaching staff, and players. From all the way from the first guy on the roster to the last guy on the roster. Like, if you aren't affected and you don't go home affected because you're not playing well or you're not, you're not, your team's not winning, like, there's something that doesn't compute with me. That doesn't make sense to me. Because... This is, A, your job, and it's like, honestly, like, I love my job. If I go home, what am I doing? I'm looking at game film. I'm listening to myself. I'm looking at the team. I'm trying to get better, trying to see how they're getting better. I'm analyzing. And if I feel like I don't have a good call, it affects me. Exactly. It affects me because I want to be good at my job. So that's what I don't understand. I don't like hearing, like, I don't think about basketball when I go home. It was Darren said yeah. that the other day. Terrible I, body language. I don't like, and he hasn't had good body right. language. And it concerns me because we haven't seen that in him. No. This is, this He's is, lost before, the, but this looks this like it's a, worn on this him. This is a different kind of kind of thing that we're, vibe that we're getting from De'Aaron Fox. Yeah. And, like, the troubling part is, like, he is the face of the franchise. And it, it's kind of like, it, you talk about trickle down. Like, I don't think it's going to affect Davion, but the, the point I'm trying to make is, like, you've got a guy that is the, the head of your snake, the face of your franchise, that is saying something, like, after a game, like, oh, I don't think about it. Like, I know I'm playing bad. I don't think about it when yeah, I go home. That's no pressure on me. And, like, but then you've got your rookies and the guys that, like, Robert Woodard and Jemias Ramsey and Lewis King and guys that are trying to, like, to get to that level. And it's a trickle down in terms of mentality. Mm-hmm. You can't have that mentality. You're the guy. This is who you are. You've accepted that. This is your plot in life now. 
you know? And so there's something there and I'm hoping that whatever's going on, I'm hoping that Alvin can reach him. I'm hoping, I'm hoping to see, and, and I understand to a certain degree, probably the last four years has worn on De'Aaron a little bit, Mm -hmm. but he also has to be the one that really takes, takes control of things. And it's a, it's on him to do it. You know, like something stuck out to me, Jason, Luke Walton said before he was relieved of duties a couple weeks ago, he said, I want Tyrese Halliburton's personality, personality yep. imprinted on this team. Yes. That's a very telling thing. Mm-hmm. Why? What do you see? Last night, we showed it on the broadcast. Tyrese went up for a layup and missed it. Rashawn Holmes got the rebound and the putback. He was more excited for Rashawn Holmes than anything else. It wasn't like, the, dang, I missed it. It was like, yes, like that's, and like the whole way down the floor, like jumping up and down and the joy and the, like, that's, that's what Luke Walton was talking about. That team needs to figure out how to play for each other, be happy for each other and play because they love the game. And Alvin said something as well in that yesterday, he was talking about like one of the things that in the multiple times he's had to kind of take over a team, this is the fourth time, that he tries to do is you have to sometimes remind guys when you're in the doldrums, like remember what it is that you love about this game. Remember how much fun it used to be. Remember the it's the simplicity of it, right? It's like this is a game that you love. Think about that. Yeah. Bring it back to that. Yeah. Let go of all the other stuff on the outside. But this team has just kind of been it's – it's been like clinging to them. Yeah. They can't shake it. You're right. And that's going to lead us into our next thing. We'll talk about this when we come back. Is this roster good enough? It feels about fit. The fit doesn't look right right now. We will get into that when we come back here on Sports 1140 KHDK. I saw the fire in your eyes. It's great to have Katie Christensen in studio. Jason Ross here with you. Katie will be back to work tomorrow on the TV for the Blazers, who do play tonight, by the way. Yeah, they play Denver tonight yeah. at home. Okay. At home in Portland. Not yeah, Denver. which is their yeah. magic uh, yeah. elixir. So I got I yeah. got to share it because I was telling you about it in the break. So this season, Portland has one loss at home, and it was to the Kings that. in game one. Yeah. And they have one win on the road. At Houston, who has one win overall, right? Yes. Uh, yeah. So they're a really weird team. It's really weird because they've beat Phoenix, Memphis, the Clippers twice at home, Indiana. Oh, these are great wins. The Lakers. Um, and they've beat Toronto, Chicago, and Philly. The oh. last three games at home, they played Denver tonight, so it should be interesting. But then they've gone on the road and, and they've lost really lost to everybody they've, at Houston. Yeah, they've, they've lo- or, yeah, they lost to the Clippers. They lost to Charlotte, Philly, Cleveland. Um, yeah, it's it's pretty interesting mm. how this has kind of panned out for them. So um, we get them tomorrow night. Yes, second night of back to back after night. after playing a really good Denver Nuggets team. Yeah. So. <laughs> well, and that you know again, it's back to the Kings finding a way, regrouping, finding what they're good at. And uh, you know, we were kind of talking about body language, the way mm-hmm. some players are playing. You know, Monty McNair came out in his press conference and, and basically said, "I feel we have the players here." Mm-hmm. So there could be a trade down the line. December 15th is kind of the first big date, and then the trade deadline's further down the line. 
Um, to me, sports has always been – you love the talent. That would be great. But there's been plenty of teams, Katie, that are loaded with talent that just doesn't yep. work. Or others you go, how did they make the that Lakers. work? Right yeah. yeah. Or, you know, it's kind of a hodgepodge of yep. teams where they might win, not championships, but 50 games. So it's fit. And I don't know why this fit isn't working mm-hmm. right now. Besides the obvious they're losing, but what do well, you see? Well, there's a number of reasons, in my opinion, why okay. it's not working. Um, there's an odd construct, I would say, there, on the wings. There is. That is right? one of the big primary problems. I mean, Harrison Barnes has played really well, but also he's being asked to do everything. Yeah, imagine there, if he got hurt for two weeks. There's no depth at yeah. all. And here's another thing. The Kings are struggling, and they haven't had any health issues, knock right. on wood. Right. A lot of te- Look at philly what they're going through a lot of a lot of teams have already had injuries you know covid related issues the kings have have luckily escaped that up to this point and i'm not one of those like superstitious people so i know it always makes people mad and then something happens and they blame it on me and i'm like no that's how life works it's not because i said it out loud right um but you know they they have you know a ton of bigs they have a ton of guards and they have nobody in the wing like that's the problem to me, how it's constructed, and so it's difficult. And then you had Luke Walton who was saying, "Okay, we're we're going to see three three guard lineups," and then you know then they struggled defensively and rebounding, so we saw less of the three guard lineups. So it's like, okay, what what is your how are you going to play? What's your identity? Um, but also, like, let's call a spade a spade. This team was not good last year and struggled, right? And um, how are we ex? Expecting it to be different when the only additions to this roster were Alex Lennon, Tristan Thompson, who, by the way, split time. Right. It's not like they play together. Um, and then you re-sign Terrence Davis, who has had just an abysmal start to this season. Yeah. I mean, like abysmal start has has contributed absolute nothing on on either end of the floor. And I, it's it pains me as a former player to say something like that. But that is just the truth. Yeah. He is struggling right. beyond belief. And now does and, play and, really? Yeah, and then Davion will be the and only then other one. and then Davion. You drafted Davion, which he's playing defense well, but his offensive numbers are up and down, which they should be. He's a he's a rookie, and that's not you know you're going to see that. Um, so I, I kind of look at it and it's like, okay, were we expecting a really different outcome? What we were hoping for was more continuity because they're they've been together. That's it. They haven't had it, and a lot of things have been changed. You had a completely different offense where De'Aaron Fox was put off ball. Tyrese Halliburton is a primary playmaker, and I love the two-man game before between him and, and Halley and how Tyrese uh, – him and uh, Rashawn Holmes and how Halley really gets everyone else involved. But more than half of your offense, because you weren't running, was taking, quote-unquote, you know, in, in theory, your franchise player, your best player – and putting him on the wing and being like, just stand here while we do stuff, you know. So they have they have to figure out the puzzle. I'm not saying they can't be better and win with this group, but they haven't figured out how to do it yeah. and how to optimize everybody's kind of what they bring to the table. Right, and that's what I was saying. You know, when you're in a, when you're in a way like this where it's not everything's mm-hmm. bad, nothing's going right. What are you good at? I would say they're best at offense. Mm-hmm. So you don't ignore rebounding, you don't ignore defense, but become great again offensively lately well, they just i mean 12 points in the fourth quarter they've had a ton of terrible shooting nights here that's lately another too. thing too you're you're better at offense yes. you're not great at offense no but you're better you're better at offense yeah. than defense at this point their defense has improved yeah but here's one of the also holes that i didn't mention you really have one three-point shooter who is like most shooters that shoot the ball as much as buddy healed 
kind of been all over the board <laughs> yes. recently. Like yeah. he started out the game. Uh, yesterday was great. Yesterday was like make three of three or four of four. Yeah, and then four. he was like, oh, a five or oh, six in like the fourth quarter. Like that's kind of been what it's been like over basically since he went from the second unit when Hallie went out with the injury to his back when they started the road trip. He went into the starting group and really struggled in that starting group, of course, because he had settled into his role. And then since he's come back to the second unit, he has struggled. Like, it's not been consistent. And so, aside from Buddy Heald, who else on this team makes threes consistently? Not consistently. Barnes can, Fox yes, can, everybody can, Barnes but nobody can consistently. The first eight games, yeah. when he was actually getting seven attempts, right. instead of now he's getting two or three attempts. Yeah, he had eight total attempts yesterday. Coach said he wanted him to shoot eight threes. Yes, that's Walton, that's yeah. the thing. Walton wanted him to shoot eight threes. Now he's not even getting those looks. And then Tyrese Halliburton is a really good three-point shooter. He started out the year like shooting about 20%. He's already back to 40%. I mean, he has self-corrected that those numbers so much, but he also isn't someone that looks for his shot very mm-hmm. much. He's looking to get other people involved. So who's contributing from the like? If you in this league cannot make threes and have multiple weapons that can make threes consistently, you're gonna struggle on nights offensively. You're truly gonna struggle because when you're not making them, they're gonna lock down your paint. And yeah. what else do you got going? Yeah. Can this team on the offensive end, what we you were referring to earlier? Be De'Aaron as much as possible in the fast break. Yep. Like, speed. That's yep. your power, right? Speed, mm-hmm. speed, speed. But the, the secondary offense, yep. be Tyreek. Or Tyrese, Tyrese. excuse me. Yeah, I, that, I've kind of felt from the beginning that that was what, what we should have seen. When when I when the season started and De'Aaron was struggling the way he was, I'm like, okay, well, at least allow him to bring the ball up the floor. Like, outlet the ball to him or get the ball to him on an inbound and, see and let him create, get downhill, have a full court to work with and have his speed instead of just putting him in the half court and then giving him the ball at the end of a shot clock right. and be like, make something happen. Yeah. You know, so it was, which it was ends like, up in a jump shot more times yeah, than not. And, and, that's not and his best. also one where everyone was stationary. So yeah. there's four or five guys that are sitting there waiting for him to do what he's got to do to get a shot off. Yeah. It's just, I think that that's a way that it can prove, but listen in Alvin Gentry's kind of system, it's whoever. Yeah. It's like you give the ball to whoever you, you take the ball, you, it, you know, you rebound it, you immediately bust out, look for whoever's open, you run lanes, you fill. It's really a very selfless system. But if you play in it well, you're going to get lots of opportunities. So I think that giving him this kind of faster pace as long as he's really kind of bought into it and and really pushing and you have to it's it's honestly Jason, it's like a switch has to flip in your head for it to really become a habit to run and to to play that way because yeah. it kind of goes against naturally everything you were taught growing up yeah it really does well my lights are always out i gotta (laughs) gotta find that switch we'll come back we'll get more into the uh, first nine games versus the last nine what a difference five and four and competitive in every game to one and eight it's not technically the nine game losing streak but it's right there what's been the biggest difference we'll get into that and much more as we continue here on khdk Continuing here on Sports 1140 KHDK. She's Katie Christensen. I'm Jason Ross. Thank you for joining us here on uh, YouTube, over the air, a smart speaker app, however you may do. We appreciate that you are checking us out today. Uh, I didn't see it last night, Katie, but it was everywhere on social media while the Kings were playing. Mm-hmm. Shump, 
Iman Shumpert won Dancing with the Stars. I did I, see his final routine uh, posted. He, he's really good. I did. I did see kind of his final dance. He's been great the whole season. He has. And I, I'm not a like a, a person that watches dances yeah. with the stars. Like I've seen some episodes here and there. I don't think ever full ones. But it's so easy to watch clips now. Yeah. And like I've been really impressed by what he does. So so good. The like the get out inspired. That's one the one I saw in this one. Was crazy. Yeah. yeah. But he's been really really good. And it's not shocking, right? Because he's kind of like one of those guys, kind of like Ron Artest in mm-hmm. a way of like, they're, they're so good at so many things. Like, it's kind of weird when you kind of step away and you look at them as, a, as an athlete. But if you think about it, a lot of athletes are talented at a lot of things, yeah. right? And I'm not shocked that he's talented at dancing. Yeah. And I don't know the, what is he, six, 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 eight, something? I don't, he's just he's throwing gotta her be bigger around. Than that. Yeah, she's like, super tiny. I know, but how, just, how tall my is goodness. <laughs> um, it's amazing. I mean, and, and there's just courage and, and for her and for him. Oh, just, it says he's only 6'5". Only? Yeah. Okay. It says he's only 6'5". But he but does remember, look, he used to have the uh, yeah, kid play he, hair. Yeah, he does look like uh, like he's 6'8 next to her. Yeah, exactly. Let's be legit about that. God, I didn't I didn't remember. I thought he was taller. I did too, actually. Like from actually being in his presence. Yeah. But that also is probably something about Shump. Yeah. He felt bigger. He did. <laughs> he bigger the scores than life. are here. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So congratulations to him. First mm-hmm. NBA player or ex-NBA player to win uh, Dancing with the Stars. Felt like the only win last night yes. or anything uh, related to the Kings. But as we look at that, um, what do you see as the difference? So same roster from the first nine, and, and not saying that the first nine was the end-all be-all, but they were five and four, and even in some of those losses, uh, they had a competitive game with the Warriors, a couple losses with Utah. You're going, okay, I, I can see some good things and really some good wins. In fact, they're the last team to beat Phoenix yeah. on the Harrison Barnes buzzer beater, but they looked more cohesive. Um, they were, I thought at that time, too, the other thing they were doing, they were playing smaller, more consistently, mm-hmm. I get why they want more rebounding and better defense, but it felt like that fit into more of the strength compared to this one and eight. I don't know. What do you see as the biggest difference between the first nine to this well, nine? Well, there's a couple things that, and they're probably not what people want to hear, but first you started out having a really good preseason, mm-hmm. which I, preseason. I believe in momentum mm-hmm. and how it carries in it, and especially with the younger teams and especially teams that really don't have that winning kind of um, – culture yet like that that history of winning yet um it really helps to have that kind of momentum because it feeds it gives you confidence and so i think that helped but they're also coming off of a of a preseason where you have a lot of practice time and let's face it anybody at any level is better after you have practice sure but when you're in the nba what separates you from other teams is being able to get better during games and not have to have practices to write the ship you have a quarter to write the ship like oh you had a bad quarter you make some adjustments you come back you do it the kings haven't been able to do that and as the season has gone along two things have changed not as much practice time but also the losing has started to pile up so their confidence has gone down and it's sad that that's kind of what i see like to me it's not it's not an x's and o's thing you know that i i I, there was definitely stretches and games and things like that where I was like, you actually need direction. Like these, the, this team needs direction offensively, less freestyle, less kind of ISO play, um, and actually give them some sets to run because they're not good enough for all five guys to create at any given me- right, moment. Like, right. And I felt like that was a problem at times. So that's one of the things when they play best, like any team at any level, you have to 
be prepared, run sets to to really be able to put players in the best position to be consistently good. Anyone can go off for a night and have 30, 40 points, but to do it night in and night out, you have to have a system around you. Yeah, and I think what's interesting about that, what Alvin, I, I saw some people's reaction against social media. You take it for what it's worth. But to Alvin's first press conference yesterday before the game, and I think he was right, but I don't think people wanted to, or were ready for it. Said, ready "Well, no, we're it? not going to." Yeah, we're, we agreed as a staff what is the best way to run. That's Luke. That's Doug. That's Lindsey Harding. That's Stacy Ogman. That's Alvin. That's Longbardi. That's the whole group. And yeah, Luke is gone, and maybe there's a subtle tweak here or there, but they did this as an off-season philosophy of how they thought they were best equipped to win this season. So you change one piece of it, the philosophy is still basically there. So he's like, it's not going to look drastically different as far as core principles. Now there might be an emphasis to push the ball a little bit more, or maybe one player that Alvin likes or thinks higher of may get some more run. But I think a lot of people look at that like, well, no, I thought this was going to be entirely different. I think if it was a completely off season, yeah, like it's, that's, it's one day. By the way, 99.9% of the time when a coach is fired mid-season, it doesn't change everything. Not at all. No, not at all. Yeah. Because, A, you're in the middle of the season. You don't have a lot of time to work on things right. now. B, you're almost always hiring, unless you're the Minnesota Timberwolves last rare. year. It was extremely well, rare. And the Kings did it one year with George Carl mm-hmm. as well, and we all saw how that turned yeah. out. Um, you hire from within. Well, this is the staff. This is they've collectively yeah. been formulating game plans and practice and looking at game film. Like that's this was their collective idea. The difference is to me is that Alvin, because of his his past and kind of his system, he's going to start instituting some things that for him are the natural thing. The, the way that his philosophy breaks down the game, right, mm-hmm. and how he looks at it. But also, like I said earlier in a segment, like I feel like Alvin has a lot more freedom than Luke Walton did because Alvin doesn't come in here with the pressure of like, he's going to coach through the end of the year because if he, if the Kings let go of Alvin during the season, Mm. after letting go of, of Luke Walton, 17 games in, like, it's like complete riot in the streets. It's chaos, chaos, right? You can't. So he has the luxury right now of actually being able to do his job and fiddle with it and figure this out to the best of his ability based on what he thinks and what he sees without external pressure of losing his job if they don't perform. And and that's the other part, I guess, the other external pressures that you referred to that Luke may have had. I think the value of for a player Mm -hmm. to get honest communication from a coach, I'm not saying Luke wasn't on it, but if you know going to the game, you're driving to the game tonight that you're playing in, Mm -hmm. and you have a rough idea exactly what your role is, you you have your best chance to succeed. Where you may have been told honestly by your coach that says, Katie, you're not in the rotation tonight. Okay, you're probably thinking you're not going to play, but you're hopefully going to be a pro, Mm -hmm. or you're starting, or you're getting 15 to 25 minutes off the bench. For the most part, Fox, we know what's going to happen. Halliburton, go down the line. I think after the nine games is when some tweaking started to happen. Here comes Metu into the starting lineup. Mm-hmm. He wasn't even playing. Um, Davis was playing. Now he's not. Len, no, he disappeared. I think there was a little bit of juggling on the fringes that I think if you're completely honest, let everybody know what the role is. But I don't know if that was just searching. It still felt like the last couple of games this team is searching for something that Luke has been searching yeah. and he, he had been searching and now Alvin's going to search. And he mm-hmm. said it himself. He said like, listen, like I got to find the guys that'll play. Find the guys that'll play. I don't yeah. care what the name is on the back of their Jersey. Yeah. I don't care. 
But like and, the Marvin and Alvin point, doesn't. Yeah. Well, like but was hey, that pressure from someone to play? Like randomly, Marvin's playing two games in Detroit, who allegedly was yeah, interested that was in him. as as painstakingly obvious. Yeah. Like it that came know, out of nowhere. And you know, it, it's like everyone's going to draw the conclusion that right after Kelly Olynyk tore his knee up, and Detroit has been looking at Marvin for a while, that they need someone. So no one's seen Marvin play this year except for that brief stretch in game two against Utah. Right. And so it's like it was not a surprise, but what was a surprise um, because – and it's, I, it, I guess this isn't even a surprise. It's like, okay, yeah, shocked, shocked that Marvin Bagley played against Detroit um, and also totally shocked that Luke Walton had to talk about it like it was because they needed rebounding. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, listen – this is professional sports. This is the NBA. It is a business. Everyone knows it. The players know it. Everybody. But like to your point, it's like, okay, I don't I kind of disagree that roles need to be defined. Yes, they need everyone knows what their role is. You need to have an honest conversation. You need to be able to talk to your coach openly, ask, what do you need from me? What do you want from me? This type of thing. But a lot of them are generally very defined and you learn those through practice and games. But no matter who you are. Your job is to be ready to play every game. Your job is to know the game scout, regardless. That is your job. So if you are, have not been in the lineup for a little while, and then one day you get called because there's an injury or there's just the game's not going well, you your job, Jason, is to step on the floor and know what the hell you're supposed to be doing and right. be ready to do it. Right. Period. Like, I've been every role on a team. I've started, I've not played, I've been a role player. Regardless. And if it's like, okay, maybe I haven't played for five games, and then I then they they go to me one game, and then you play well, and you, you start playing, and you're back in the rotation. If you don't, then you're kind of back on the bench. Like, literally, all of it is in your hands. You take the opportunity, when given, you stay ready, and I kind of feel like, for a head coach or anyone on the coaching staff to have to go to players on a daily basis and be like, listen, Alex Lynn, this is our game plan. This is how we're going to use you today. That Bullcrap. You're a professional. You know what you bring. You're ready no matter what. Period. You know the game plan. That's your job. So I look at it differently. And I'm sure, but here's the thing about being a leader in any, any setting. Everyone has to be led differently. Right. And they're definitely are players out there that need the very defined yeah. open communication yeah. and your job as a head coach is to figure is out who to be needs able what. to yeah to which is hard communicate to everyone the yeah. way that you need to yeah i guess my I, I i know what you're saying in some of those but i guess if you're one of those players that goes from starting to not playing at all that's that's not that it's hard, but yeah, that what is, did I like, do like, wrong Like Mo Harkless, that yeah. situation. Yeah, Or Terrence Davis. You're not shooting well. We can all see that. But as a shooter, you'd say, can I get five more games? Because I might hit the next 10 threes. I might miss all 40. I don't know how many he'll take. But Mo Harkless says the thing. And then Chemezi gets two starts. Yeah. He had a three, maybe two, a double-double in there. A four, okay. He got four starts, And I then yeah. doesn't play. Yeah, like, that's so, a little bit of a head game, I think. So... That kind of a situation where it's like, okay, right now we're struggling on the boards. I'm going to try going to Chemezi and I'm going to play him. I'm going to start him and see if he can help us a little bit on the glass. Those situations, yes, you have to communicate that. And Luke Walton was communicating it to the media, so you can guarantee it was being communicated to the players. Um, But then I think, you know, as soon as Luke was gone, 
Mo Harkless was put right back into that starting lineup. And and Mezzi actually didn't even step on the floor last mm-hmm. night. So that's a conversation that, by the way, Alvin is going to have to have with him. Yeah. But at the same time, no one's in Alvin's doghouse. Alvin, like, Alvin that's a clean said, slate. Alvin said it himself. He's like, I'll keep going to players until I find somebody that is going to play and compete the way that I want them yeah. to. Period. So one thing I know about Shemezi Metu is every time he's been given the opportunity, he comes out and absolutely performs. Yeah. So he did it last year, twice. First he got injured. I was like, oh, no, it's over for him. You never get these opportunities back when you're kind of on the fringe, right? Then he got another opportunity, absolutely performed. They gave him the contract this year, hadn't played, comes in. I thought he performed well in those yeah. four games. I thought he gave them a lot. He didn't shoot the ball very well at times. He was a little streaky, but yeah, because he hasn't been playing. Like, actually scoring and shooting the ball, threes especially, weird how that's a rhythm and a flow thing. Yeah. So if you've been kind of on the bench and now you're playing, you might be a little bit inconsistent. Yeah. So, But the one thing, he's always ready. I imagine Alvin will have conversations about yeah. those things. Your your point earlier on Alvin having a different set of not even pressures, less pressure really than Luke had because Luke again from day one there was a, the seat was warm. He knew it. They had said he can't have another nine game losing streak. Well, we're in the neighborhood one and eight. I mean they're basically there. Um, if we take an extreme example and put and say Alvin ignores not even ignores. I don't know if there's front office ownership agent fan pressure. He says, I'm going to bench De'Aaron. Could he do that? I mean, literally, yes, he can. Yeah, he can. But would he do it? Yeah, I'm not saying he, I'm going on the extreme. No, so here's the thing. I don't think that Alvin would bench De'Aaron. I think he might use him differently. Yeah. But here's one thing that, you know, Alvin has been very good at in his very long career in the NBA is trying to put players in a situation that benefits them. And there's, special set of skills and it's no coincidence that De'Aaron's special set of skills match really well with what Alvin's philosophy and style of play and coaching has been in this league Um, and Alvin actually has a very special talent also for really being able to build bonds with players and get players to buy in and trust and that's not an overnight process. And yes, he's been on the staff for a while and he, Darren's known him, but he's going to, it's different now because he's, he's in, in charge. He's the head of the, the reins. He's, he's kind of calling all the shots now. I think that's one of his biggest tasks is figuring out how to help solve this Darren Fox dilemma, but not even just on the floor. It's like we were talking about earlier. His demeanor yeah. has not been the Darren De- Fox that we know. Alvin is someone that is very skilled at connecting with players and gets a lot of respect for that. He's a player's coach, and I think that he's a good person to build that and get De'Aaron out of that. Yeah. You know, the other conundrum we talked about earlier is De'Aaron's best part would be his speed, and a lot of it Mm -hmm. involving through him, not in a me, ball, hog mentality, but his speed and with the ball can go by a lot of people and create some problems and put pressures on defense. I don't know if that's better long-term for the team because we've seen that for the last couple of years and it hasn't resulted in a boatload of wins or Tyrese facilitating, which gets a lot more people involved, but that also 
has I, I don't know. You, know what's you great? want both, obviously, but Tyrese can play in any system. Right. That's and the great thing. And about at times Tyrese. De'Aaron was off the ball last mm-hmm. year. I think we feel like it's all brand new this year. I think it's more this year. Way more. Yeah, they played together they last played year quite together, a bit. But, but it's it, it's it more this starts year. Starts that way. Yeah. So I don't know uh, which one's better. Let's look back to the year before Luke Walton was hired. Dave Yeager. When Dave uh-huh. Yeager was here. You recall when Dave Yeager came in from Memphis, he was a defense guy. Mm-hmm. And this team didn't play a lick of defense. And he figured out very quickly that from a roster standpoint, he didn't have the same type of defenders that he had in Memphis. So after year one, what did Dave Yeager do? Oh, they went turbo. They went absolute rocket speed. Yeah. Completely against what everyone kind of identified Dave Yeager as as a coach. But shocking that someone would look at the talent they have on their team and say, I have to change to make this work for this team and the personnel that I have. They didn't play any defense. They were horrible in the half court, but they were faster than anybody in the league, and they won games because of that. Well, Luke Walton comes in the next year, and he's like, listen, one of the you have to be able to play defense to to get in the playoffs and win, and I don't disagree with that. Right. And he's like, this and team, rebound, and, and rebound. That, yeah. He's like, this team really struggled in half court, so I'm trying to slow it down and build some principles in the half court. Everyone's trying to make adjustments to the personnel on this roster over the last few years to figure out how to get them to play winning basketball. All of those things that were said and done were right. But now we've tried everything. Mm. What are you doing now? Right. That's the question. Do you go back to saying, all right, defense is is maybe not going to be our strongest point. It won't be as bad as it was last year, but we're going to run the heck out of this ball. And we're really going to score. And there's going to be nights where we put up 140. And there's going to be nights where a team might put up 145. Mm. But at least you're taking advantage of your talent and putting yourself in a situation where at least you're playing to your strengths? I don't know. I think that gives them a better chance, personally. I personally do as well. The other principles are right. You're right. I mean, foundation-wise, if you become a 15th-ranked defense, oh, you're going to be better, especially long-term. And a top-15 rebounding team with a good offense, you're talking about a good team. Mm -hmm. They're not that, but can they be close in all those neighborhoods? I don't know. Or can you just be elite in that offense? But let's just be honest. This roster that's compiled right now, This is not going to be a playoff roster that this team is winning with in five years. Right. There's going to be, be a lot of changes. Yeah. So at least try to get out of this drought. Yeah. Play to your strengths. Do what you need to do to pile wins together. Yeah. To win on a more consistent basis. To build a culture of uh, that is more positive in terms of, okay, we're having some success. We're tasting some success. Mm-hmm. Now we know what it feels like. We're going to keep trying to get it better. And then... Add to your roster. Add pieces that fit. Do what you need to do. I mean, there's teams that have defenders and players that can run at the pace and be successful offensively. Yeah. But now, if that's going to be your identity, which we're still searching for what this has been for the Kings, what is the identity? Right. If that's going to be your identity and you're going to build it around who you have made the franchise cornerstone, then... Get the players that fit with that identity, that fill some holes around here. But that's been – it's just been a shifting identity yeah. for like a few years now. Right, and they haven't been Trying able to pinpoint it. Trying to piece it together. Yeah, because I think mm-hmm. even Monty said it the other day, the way they were playing, he goes, that's not Kings basketball. And I get the saying, I yeah. said, well, what is it? Mm-hmm. What is – I mean, what would be 
you know, Kings basketball, then what's the label? And not getting sarcastic with losing, but what what is it? What do you right. want to be? What is that identity? Mm-hmm. I don't think they found that. All right, we'll get into our final hour here. More about the Kings and their goals. They're still in play for the rest of the season, even though this has been a really brutal stretch. We got much more on the NBA as well. And Clay is back. We'll talk about that, LeBron suspension, and much more as we continue here on KHTK.